Rishi and to Jeremy for at least allowing me to be able to be with you virtually. I look forward to to seeing everyone in person, back in person on Thursday morning. Today's daf is daf Zayin Amud Aleph. We are picking up Emirates Hashem on Vav Amud Beis 6b, and we are picking up we are picking up Emirates Hashem Amr Le Rava Barav Abaye, which is two, four, five lines up from the bottom. So if you remember again, the Gemara was speaking about the idea that Bia Rishon on Shabbos may not necessarily be a Psikresha. Why is that a Psikresha? Because there's a concept of Hatia, of literally angling or positioning oneself in, in, in some way that the Bia Rishon doesn't necessarily or automatically cause the rupturing of the Basulim. We spoke about it again yesterday, she had the concept that perhaps this has to do with being able to manipulate the elasticity of the Basulim. Okay, in any event, the Gemara says, now that we know that this is possible, so Elame Ato, so Amale Rava Bar Rav Chanon Labaye, Elame Ato Shoshvinan Lamo, Mapa Lamo. And we'll see, we're going to get into these sogies a little bit later on, but we'll see that there were certain things that were instituted in order to go ahead and ensure that the husband or the wife doesn't make any false claims. In other words, we could have a situation where a couple gets married, and let's say a husband wrongly accuses his wife of not being a basula. Or a woman claims there was dam besulim, there was hymenal blood, when in fact there wasn't. So we're going to see that Chazal put into place a couple of different pieces. For example, Shoshvinin. Shoshvinin, if you look at Rashi, Shoshvinin Lama, Me'achashish Bikin Liva below Dam, Hadutayin Lekaman. We'll learn this again in about a week from now. Hayu Ma'amidin Lahan Sheish Shoshvinin Echalo Ve'echalo, Kadesh Lashamis Esachosim Ve'esachalo. They would appoint on the wedding night two attendants. One to take care of the chasen, one to take care of the kal. What, is the, what was the role of the attendants? So for example, we're going to see that part of the role of the shoshvinin was to make sure that, let's say, the sheet the, that upon which the, the, the bia, Rishon, was, going to, was, was clean. Right, so that... In other words, no one planted anything there with blood, so as to falsely claim. Mapa is the same idea. Rashi says, Lavaris Abbasulam, a clean sheet to be able to go ahead and see if there was Dam Nida. Again, we'll see these ideas later on, but the point over here is if we're accepting the premise that Hatia, that Abiyah Rishona with this angling that allows a person to have, again, there's penetration, but without the rupturing of the Basulim, so then why do you need all of these other things? to ensure that no one's making any fraudulent claims. To which the Gemara is very simple, Amalei Hasam, Shema Yira V'yovad. No, 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 there, there, there's a different issue. The issue we're concerned about is, let's say the marriage is not consummated with Hatia, and we're concerned that if there was blood on the sheet, which would again, test up, would be a testament to her basulim, perhaps that'll be lost. If you look at Rashi, Amalei Shema Yira V'yovad, Shema Lo Yata, V'yotzi Dam, V'yovdu, V'yomar Lo Matsasi Dam, Dilubatia. So remember again, What's the concern? So why do we have the shoshin? Why do we have the attendants? Why do we have to make sure? That, why do we make sure that there's a clean sheet? Because in the event that we don't want to make sure that that let's say the sheet gets lost or that there's no testimony, then the husband can make a fraudulent claim saying that halacha lamaisa, there was biarishona and there was no dam. There was no dam. So therefore, in order to prevent fraud. In a case where hatia is not used, we have these other things in place. Incredible. So says the Gemara Masiv, Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami raises a kasha. Ha-mafis morsa b'shabbos. I will say this is a case, mafis morsa literally means that one is creating an opening to drain a blister or a boil. That's what's happening over here. It's like popping a pimple, but again, it's not a little pimple. It's a boil. So one is creating an opening in order to drain the boil. So the Gemara says, imlasos pechayiv. If my intention is to create an opening, then I'm chayiv, right? Ultimately, again, why am I chayiv? Because Rashi says, last Rashi not chayiv, shema metakim pesach, shuhu metakim pesach, v'chayim shumbona, because I'm creating an opening. Creating an opening is the malach of bona, is the malach of building, and therefore halacha lamaisa, I'll be chayiv. I'll be chayiv for that. But if the reason I'm opening up the boil is to drain the pus or to drain the liquid, then ultimately tap of zayin, potter. Ultimately, again, then I am potter. Take a look at the top Rashi and Zayin Amadal. The Rashi says the Kaimelon, the potter, potter umotzer lechatchila biyosio Shabbos kashir leman daaser the height nami lehotzi damu. So interestingly enough, interestingly enough, 
why the Gemara is, so, so here we have Rabbi Ami raising this as a contradiction to the whole sugi of Dan Besulim. So how do we go ahead and distinguish? Very simple. Hasam pakid va'akir, hacha pakid akir. So it's actually very interesting. When it comes to the boil, we assume that any liquid or pus that is absorbed in the boil is fundamentally pooled and totally and wholly detached from the body. Whereas Dan Besulim, as much as we had opinion that said mifgat pakid, even though it's pooled and somewhat detached, there's still an element of attachment and absorption in the body. In other words, what the Gemara is very interesting, the Gemara is making here is making a fundamental distinction between a boil and dambasulim. So the boil, the pus, is totally separate outside of the body. The dambasulim, as much as it is pooled and it's absorbed in a particular area of the body, and it might not fully be absorbed in the rest of the body, it's also not fully detached, which is quite interesting. And that's why, again, it could very well be that even if you say that the boil could be opened up on Shabbos to drain it, that may not necessarily lead you to the conclusion that Rishona is permitted on Shabbos. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Hasam Gabilecha, by the boil, Pakid, Kanus Piachad, the pas is totally pulled and outside of the body. Va'akir, Rashi says, Kulam it's detached from the body. It's considered to be separate and distinct from the body. When it comes down to whatever Rashi says, it's pulled or it's collected, but not totally detached. Rashi says, So this is very interesting. Even though we were saying yesterday's daf that perhaps is pulled and detached from the body, it's not fully detached. And th th this really becomes clear when you compare it to the pus and the boil, right? So the pus and the boil sits outside of the body. It sits, right, it sits in the boil, it sits outside of the body. Halach Lamais, that's different than Dam Besulim. Rashi says over here, Okay, so just interesting. So the Gemara just making a distinction here between the boil case and Dabasulim. Ravashi, excuse me, Rabbi Ami, I'm sorry. Rabbi Ami allowed Bia Rishona on Shabbos night, on Friday night. Amri This is fascinating. So now we're bringing up another issue. So remember, up until now, the issue of Bia Rishona on Shabbos was an issue of how do we view the Dam Besulim? Is it a Chabura? Is it a wound? Are you creating an injury, right? Or are you creating an opening? Now the Gemara says, you know, even if you could find a way past all that, which we can, we know that we can, if you hold Dam Mifgat Pocket, that the blood is pulled and collected outside of the body, and you hold Davar Shinnamiskavein is mutter like Rabbi Shimon, then Bia Rishon could happen. Now Rabbi Avi comes and says, by the way, there's another issue. There's another issue. She doesn't have a ksuva. She doesn't have a ksuva. Then I will say, this is quite interesting because remember, in, in, in our mind, we assumed that the way this wedding was happening, how there's a wedding Friday afternoon, or for that matter, a wedding Wednesday, and it just didn't consummate. Either way, there was a ksuva already written. So it sounds like over here the Gemara is saying is perhaps, again, there was a minag to only write the ksuba later on, right? The point over the Gemara is asking is, what about a case where how could Bia Rishona be permitted if she doesn't yet have a ksuva? To which the Gemara says, Amr at not a problem. If a woman doesn't have a ksuva, no worries at all. Just have her take some property. Look at Rashi. This is fascinating. If you have a situation where a woman doesn't have a ksuva, so remember, we're going to see the halacha is that if a couple doesn't have a ksuva, they are not permitted to live together. Intimacy is prohibited. Living together is prohibited without a ksuva. So what happens when a woman doesn't have a ksuva? So interesting enough, what could he do? He could give her, he could give her $30,000. He could give her a bar of gold, right? He could give her metal movable property, and that will suffice until they go ahead and get around to going ahead and writing a ksub. And I will say it's actually incredibly important because a case that, that sometimes comes up is let's say a couple can't find their ksuva. It's a real problem. The aloha is if you can't find your ksuva, you're obligated to go ahead and write another one. Let's say again, Wife is going through, right, is going through uh, her stuff. She's looking for a ksuva. Everything is okay in the marriage, but she just happens to be looking for a ksuva. And what happens? She can't find it. 
She can't find it. So now it's 11 o'clock at night. They can't find the ksuva. So what has to happen? They're not calling the rabbi, right? Don't call the rabbi at 11 o'clock at night over ksuva shilas. Right? So, so what happens? So now what, what, what do they do? What do they do? Does the husband have to move out? Do they have to sleep in separate places? So it's actually, so the post can bring down, there's a very simple etza. Let the husband write a check for the value of the ksuva. So let's say for $30,000. I'm just going to know $30,000. Write a check for $30,000. And that could essentially, because what is a ksuva? A ksuva is an IOU. It's an IOU that has pretty significant liens against all types of property, but it's an IOU. So ultimately, again, in the absence of a formal ksuva, if hus husband could do one of two things, he could give his wife metalkulins, let's say he has a very expensive bottle of wine. He has a, a case of wine or a couple of cases of wine. He could give that to her and say, here, this is for your ksuva. He could write her a check. And that would suffice until they get around to writing a replacement ksuva. So the Gemara says over here, if for some reason they came into Shabbos and for some reason she doesn't have a ksuva, so Rabbi Ami say, ah, Bia is going to be awesome without a ksuva. No, you give her a talpil until you can finish writing the ksuva. Incredible. Rav Zvid, Rav Zvid allowed Bia Rishona on Shabbos as well. Ikid Amri, others say, Rav Zivid Gufei Baal Betchilu Shabbos. Right, some personal information over here that Rav Zivid himself, Rav Zivid himself, ultimately again went ahead and did the Bia Rishona on Shabbos. Interesting. Rav Yehuda, Sharlem Mivel Betchilu Yamtiv. Rav Yehuda allowed Bia Rishona on Yamtiv. Says the Gemara Amar Apa Bishmei Derava. Now, don't, don't infer from here that he only allowed it on Yom Tiv and not on Shabbos. Don't infer that at all. Even on Shabbos. I so why are we mentioning Yom Tiv? That was the case. In other words, somebody came to ask him the Shailah, is Bia Rishona permitted on Yom Tiv? So Paskin, the answer is, Yes, but Lamaisi also holds Bia Rishonah is permitted on Shabbos as well. Rapab Bishay, the Rav Ambi Yamtiv Shari, Bishabis Asr. Very interesting. Rapab comes along and says, no. No, in fact, that locha is that Bia Rishonah is permitted on Yamtiv, but it is not permitted on Shabbos. I, why the distinction between Shabbos and Yamtiv? Amrali Rapapi, the Rapapa, my daitech. So Rapapi said to Rapapa, why? What's your logic? In other words, why do you distinguish between Shabbos and Yamtiv? Or I should say, why do you permit Bir Rishonah on Yamtiv and not on Shabbos? Very simple. See, so to which Rapapa responded, so we'll say that's just a moment. We know that on Yom Tiv there's a concept of Ochel Nefesh. That Allah is permitted to do Mulacha for the sake of food preparation. And then we'll say, remember again, we saw this. We saw this Kimar Meseches Moed Katan. We spoke about this extensively. Where I should say Moed Katan, I'm sorry, Moed Katan, Beya. We saw this Sugi extensively, where the Gemara talks about the concept of Mitoch Shehutra Litzorach Ochel Nefesh, Hutra Namish Ochel Nefesh, which essentially means as follows. Any malacha that is permitted for the sake of ochel nefesh, of food preparation activities, will also be permitted for non-food preparation activities. In other words, once a particular category of malacha becomes permitted for yamtiv, it becomes permitted in all of its applications, not just food preparation. If that's the case, then remember again, remember both say, what's the whole issue with, the whole issue with, with Birishona is the drawing of blood. Right, the creation of, of an injury, of a wound, which essentially is a derivative of the malach of shechita. Well, shechita is permitted on yamtiv. So for ochal nefesh, once shechita, drawing blood, is permitted for ochal nefesh on yamtiv, it becomes permitted for other activities as well, including biarishona. But of course, the heter for ochal nefesh only applies to yamtiv, doesn't apply ultimately to Shabbos. Elamiato, if that's the case, so I will say, if that's the case, that we hold to the concept of mitoch. This is the, this is the concept called mitoch. Mitoch means once a particular category of forbidden labor is permitted for ochel nefesh, for food preparation activities, it becomes permitted for other non-food activities as well. So what we're positing over here is that once shechita, drawing blood, is permitted to go in and prepare food on Yom Tiv, it becomes permitted for non-food related activities as well, i.e. Bia Rishon, the first act of Bia. The Mar says, okay, well, if you subscribe to the content of Mitoch, then perhaps what? You should be able to burn incense. Now, both say, Mugmar is not just any incense. Look at Rashi, Mugmar is Bisamim Alaish. You would put incense on the fire. In order to give scent 
to one's utensils and one's clothing. So I both say, so in other words, remember Havara, Havara, making a fire, burning something on the fire is permitted, right? You're allowed to cook food on Yom Tiv. Well, once I'm allowed to cook food, then I should be permitted to burn incense as well in order to give fragrance to my clothing and to my utensils. To which the Gemara says, to which the because once kindling was permitted for the sake of Ochel Nefesh, it should be permitted even for non-Ochel Nefesh activities like burning incense. To which he responds, about you or about this argument. The Pasik says, so the Pasik, when it refers to the heter of Ochel Nefesh, of preparing Fula Yamtiv, says, Ach, only that, Asher Yeachel, which will be consumed Lechol Nefesh by every person. Which means what? Dover Hashavah Lechol Nefesh. So I will say again, this is the whole Sugya from Bea. We learned this already, that Halach is a very interesting caveat here. As much as Ochel Nefesh is permitted, food preparation activities are permitted, and therefore by extension, once a particular malach is permitted for food preparation, it becomes permitted for non-food preparatory activities as well, but it only becomes permitted for things that are considered to be normative common pleasures. But things that are not considered to be normative common pleasures, the concept or the heter of mitoch doesn't apply. So the Gemara suggests over here, burning incense in order to go ahead and give fragrance to your clothing and utensils, most people don't do that. Most people don't do that. Most people don't do that. And therefore, halach halamaisa, that's not called the normative, everyday, common pleasure. And therefore, halach halamaisa, it's not motran yamtiv. Contrast that with, with bia, with physical intimacy, which again is definitely is something that's considered to be davra shavalachol nefesh. It's, it's a common thing that is enjoyed by people. And therefore, ultimately, again, it would be permitted. To which the Gemara says, elame ato. I'm sorry, so Rav Acha, right, said Oh, so using this logic, that only things which are considered to be a normative, common pleasure are permitted to do malacha for on yamtiv. What happens if you find a deer? Are you allowed to slaughter a deer? Now, deer meat is very expensive, and most people don't eat deer. So perhaps, right, what is it called? Ven- I think it's venison. Right? So, you, so perhaps you shouldn't be able to shecht on yamtiv because that's not called a normative, common, everyday pleasure. To which the Gemara says, Maybe you'll say, therefore, it's asr to shecht the deer on yamtiv. So we'll say literally what this means is he said, I'm referring to something that is needed by all people, and deer meat is needed by all people. We'll say, what does this mean? In other words, we, what you're essentially answering is that we don't start getting into different categories of meat. The act of slaughter for food purposes is going to be permitted. We don't start getting into, you could slaughter this animal, not slaughter that animal. People eat this meat, people eat that meat. The concept of meat consumption is considered to be a normative, common pleasure, and therefore, and therefore, you're allowed to do malacha for that on yamtiv. But again, going back to the Mugmar case, the Mugmar case would be a situation where halacha lamaisa, that's not a normative common everyday pleasure. And therefore, again, you would not be permitted to kindle a fire for the sake of burning that incense. Now, I will say the reason this is coming up is because we would include biarishon, would include the first act of relations more in the, more in the category of consumption, right? Of food preparation, because again, the biarishona would ultimately be in the category of a normative common pleasure. So the Gemara goes weiter. Amar Rabbi Yaakov bar Idi Hor Rabbi Yochanan b'Tzaidon Rabbi Yochanan paskin in Tzaidon Asr Levol b'Tchilah b'Shabbos. Ultimately, again, so Rabbi say here. So after we just got finished quoting all of these opinions, who say that so Rabbi say so here's what we have. Here's what we have. We have opinions that say biarishona is mutter on Shabbos. Then we have Rav Papa, who says, Biarishon is mutter on Yomtiv, but not mutter on Shabbos. Now, Rabbos, we have another Pesach Halacha, Rabbi Yaakov Bar-Idi, quoting Rabbi Yochanan, that ultimately, Biarishona is Asr on Shabbos. Now, Rabbos, the Lashon here is very important. He uses Lashon of Hora, Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Saidin. Rabbi Yochanan Hora, or Hora, issued a, ru- issued a ruling that Biarishon is Asr on Shabbos. To which the Gemara says, Mi ika Hora le'isr. The Gemara doesn't use the term hora 
which means to issue a ruling when it comes to, when it comes to a prohibition. The word horah is usually used in the context of permitting something. I'll say, take a look at Rashi. This is very interesting. Do you ever call a, a, a prohibitive ruling a horah? Now why is listen to this? Mishum dechol adam rashi lahachmir vaoser einzes michas dvarim shafilu min asafik shen alocha berurlo who bava oser avalamat yosomich ashmosa. So this is fascinating. The lashon of hora sounds like a person is using logic, intellect, reasoning, mesora, tradition, and that's why again because to permit something requires a lot more effort than to prohibit something. To make something asr, you could always make something asr, you know, when in doubt, we're machmir. So the Gemara just pointed out, you don't usually find Lashon of hora, which usually means more of like a, a, a almost like a, a cogitative process, like a cognitive process, a thoughtful process, an in-depth process. That's us- that term is usually used with a permissive ruling, not a prohibitive ruling, to which the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, in. It's not true. It's not true. We find the word used even by prohibitions. But now we learn. So the example, without getting into this case, the Gemara is talking over here about the situation in Meseches Nazir with Queen Heleni. Heleni Amalka, whose son went out to war and she made a neder. She made a neder ultimately again that she would be a, a Nazira. For seven years, if her son were to come back, or if her son were to come back healthy and whole, and also what ended up happening is she observed seven years in Chutz Laaretz, and when she came back to Eretz Yisrael, Beisilo made her repeat the seven years. So the point over here is you see Horu Beisilo, Beisilo Paskin, that she has to be a Nazira another seven years. Now, being an Azir another seven years, once again, is a prohibitive ruling. And yet, you see the Lashon of Hora with a prohibitive ruling. Okay, V'i Nami, Kiha Desanyo, Chuta Shedro Shenifsak Berubo, Divrei Rabbi Yaakov. So, both say, this is the Halachos of, Rashi says over here, the Halachos of Trefa. There are certain injuries, traumatic injuries, that if an animal has, it's considered to be a trefa. A trefa is not permitted for consumption. Even if you shecht it with proper shechita, if you discover one of these mortal injuries, you're not permitted to consume the animal. So one of the examples of that is the spinal cord of the animal snapped. Snapped, right? Shenifsak beruba, the majority of it is, is detached, right? So that's a trefa. Rabbi Yaakov, I'm sorry, Divrei Rabbi, excuse me. Rabbi Yaakov Omer, Afilu Nikev. Rabbi Yaakov says, even if it's just pierced, even if it's not fully, right, even if it's not mostly detached, even if it's just pierced, that animal is a trefa. And I will say, what do you see from here? Hora Rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov. And Gemara used Lashon of Hora Rabbi. Rabbi Paskind like Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov is the more machmir. He gives the more prohibitive ruling. Even if there's just a piercing, right, a hole in the spine, that's enough to make the animal a trefa. See, he's more machmir. He's prohibiting. And yet again, the Gemara is using the Lashon of Hora. So from here you see halacha lamaisa, that lashon of hora could be used for restrictive rulings as well. Amar Ravuna, ain't halacha Rabbi Yaakov. Ravuna said that halacha is not like Rabbi Yaakov. Okay. So both say, so bottom line, Rav Nachem by Yitzchak Masni Hachi. Both say, first wide line, Zayin and Medalef. Amar Rav Yavau, Shal Rav Yishma ben Yaakov, Demin Sur, Es Rav Yochanan, Betsaidon, Va'anishami. So both say, now comes Rav Nachem by Yitzchak. Right? He says, I, right, they asked. They asked Rav Yochanan and Saidon, and I heard, Ma'u livol betchila b'shabis. What is that locha? Bottom line. Bottom line. Is Bia Rishona permitted on Shabbos or not? The Hilchasa, the Amrlei, Aser. Rabbi Yochanan inside then says, Aser. Bia Rishona on Shabbos is Aser. The Hilchasa, Mutter, Livol, Betchila, Beshabbos. Rabbi Yochanan the Gemara says, Halacha Lamaisa, Bia Rishona is permitted on Shabbos. And both say, this is in fact how the Rambam Paskins and how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins. And this Psaq seems to be a combination of a couple of things. Number one, that we pass in Dan Besulam's Mifkad pocket, that is considered to be collected and pulled outside of the body. Therefore, again, when the woman bleeds as a result of Bia Rishona, Halacha Lamaisa, that's not considered to be inflicting an injury, so to speak. That's not a Chabura, it's not Shechita. That's number one. Number two, we pass like Rabbi Shimon, that Dabr Sheno Miskavein is Mutter, an unintended act that results in a Malacha or some, is, is Mutter. And number three, we'd have to also accept the idea that there is the concept of Hatiyah, and therefore, again, it's not not a psikresha. 
It's not a psik reisha. So I want to say, so again, you know, other, other rishonim bring in other factors as well, but I will just point out that we pass in halacha lama'isa, bia rishona is permitted on Shabbos. I will point out that the not to engage in Bia Rishon on Shabbos. And the Ramah says in communities where that was the Minog, ultimately again that Minog should be maintained. Incredible. So we'll say, let's go weiter. Says the Gemara, Amrabi Chelba, Amrav Huna, Amrabi Ababar Zabda, Amrav Acha. Amrav, excuse me. Achas Besula, the Achas Amona to Unabracha. We'll say fascinating sugya now. Now we'll say we're going to get into the sugya of Sheva Brachas. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Right? So Rabbi Chalbo says the name of Rav Huna, says the name of Rav Bar Zavda, and the name of Rav. Whether the woman is a Besula, first marriage, or an Amana, right? A widow, a second marriage, to Una Bracha. Rashi, right? She requires a Bracha. Says Rashi, what Bracha are you talking about? To Una Bracha, Berchas Chasanim. The Brachos of Chasan. Now we're going to assume for our purposes now that this is a reference to Sheva Brachas. Reference to Sheva Brachas. Okay, did Rav Huna really say this? I, but Rav Huna said that an Amana doesn't get Sheva Brachas. Only a Basula gets Sheva Brachas. Now we'll say, by the way, when we speak about Sheva Brachas over here, what we're referring to is seven days of celebration, right, after the wedding. That's only for a Basula, not for, not for an Amana. To which the Lord is not a contradiction. Kan kan Very interesting. What is talking about a case? of where the husband has never been married before, and he married an amana, he marries a widow, versus a case of a widower who marries a widow. So what thing we're suggesting is as follows, that halacha lemaisa, and we'll see this halacha lemaisa, when either the husband or the wife, when for either one of them, this is a first marriage, there are seven days of celebration, the Sheva Brachas. But halacha lemaisa, for both of them, it is a second marriage, right? Again, whether they're both divorced, both widowed, whichever one it is, halacha lemaisa, there's only one day of Shabbat When I say one day of Shabbat both say that means Shabbat is under the chuppah, right? The Shabbat is that first day, but ultimately, again, there's no seven days of celebration. One second, the Amoshinasamana lo, is that true? That where it's a second marriage for both a widower who married a widow, there's no Sheva Brachas, there's no seven days of celebration. How do we know about say, the concept that Sheva Brachas? Has to take place with ten men. How much you need ten men for Shabbat brachas? Shenemai vayikach asara anoshim iziknayir vayomer shavu po vayeshvu migilas rus migilas rus. Boaz assembles ten men and he tells them sit here and they sat down. So the Gemara says Uboaz amon shenasa manahava and Boaz was a widower. Right, who married Rose, who was a widow. And yet again, the pastors, he's gathering 10 men for Shavar Brachas. So it sounds like even if it's a second marriage for both, there's still seven days of celebration. To which the Lord says, no, no, no. My Eina Tuna Bracha, Damrav Huna, Eina Tuna Bracha, Kol Zayin, Aval Yom Echa Tuna Bracha. I jumped the gun on this a little bit, but I'll say, what it means is like this. When it's a second marriage for both parties, there are not seven days of Shavar Brachas. Right? Not seven days of, of, of Sheva Brachas. There is one day of Sheva Brachas. In other words, the day of the wedding is a day of Sheva Brachas. But halacha lamaisa, no seven days of celebration. What about the concept that we had two days ago on Sunday's daf? Ultimately, again, where we spoke about the concept that Chazal, Chazal wanted to make sure that when it's a second marriage for a woman, right, an Amana or a Grusha, that she should get married on a Thursday night. This way, again, she has three days with her husband, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos. So the Gemara says, Bemai. Now we'll say, what case, what case, what is the case of three days of celebration? Ibe Bachar, if ultimately, again, we're talking about that the woman who's an Amana is marrying a first marriage guy, then there's seven days of Sheva Brachas, right? Iba Almon, and if he's second marriage for him as well, Ha'amrit Yom Echad, there's only one day of Sheva Brachas. What's going on over here? Iba Yisema Ba'almon Yom Echad Lebracha Shlosh Simcha. Oh, so we'll say this is fascinating. Says the Gemara, it's possible here that what's happening is like this. Maybe there's two concepts. There's a concept of Sheva Brachas, and there's a concept of Simcha, of just rejoicing with your bride, rejoicing with your wife. So the Gemara says like this, if one of the parties was never married before, then it's seven days of Sheva Brachas. If both the parties were married before, it's only one day of Sheva Brachas. 
but three days of simcha. Three days in which they're supposed to spend time together and rejoice with one another. Another possibility is that if it's a situation where it's the first marriage from the man and ultimately second marriage from the woman, there are seven days of Shava Brachas, but three days of Bracha. So, excuse me, of Simcha, of Simcha, of rejoicing with each other. Uh, I have to go back to a toastless bowl. We'll do, we'll do that at the end. Says the Gemara Meisve. Then says I'm going to raise the kasha. Mevarchen lebsula shiva ula amana yom echad. I will say with the brayse says we go ahead and we make shiva brachas for a besula for seven days and for an amana only one day. My love afilu amana shenisayis lebachar. I will say when it says that for an amana only one day of shiva brachas, isn't that even if for her husband this is his first marriage? Lo la'almon. No, no, no. When it says there's only one day of shower brachas, that's when a widow marries a widower. But if she marries him, what we call a bachar is it's his first marriage. What's the aloha? Shiva. Seven days of shower brachas, even though she's an almona. Ihachi, if that's the case, listen, mevarchin lebsula shiva, ula amona shenisis lebachar shiva, ula amona yom echad. So we'll say if that's the case, then we should write as follows. For a basula, if the woman is a basula, she always gets seven days of Sheva Brachas. And for an Amana who married a Bachar, seven days. And for an Amana who went ahead and La Almon changes it into if the Amana marries a widower, Yom Echad, only one day. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Milsa Psikta Katani. The Bryson wanted to write things in a, in a complete or absolute form. The Laka Basul de Basra Mesheva, because Rosa wants to teach you, any case where the woman is a basula, is always going to be seven days of Shabbat Brachas. And I will say, there is never a case where there's less than one day of Shabbat Brachas. I will say, if you bring this all together, we come out with something very interesting, which is Halacha This is Halacha Whenever it is a first marriage for either of the parties, there are seven days of Shabbat Brachas. If, right, so again, that, that's true whether first marriage for the man, second marriage for the woman, first marriage for the woman, second marriage for the man. Halacha if one of the parties is a first marriage, seven days of Shabbat Brachas. If it's a second marriage for both of them, then all you have are Sheva Brachas on the day of the wedding itself. It appears that in that case where it's ultimately, again, three day, uh, one day of Sheva Brachas, that there would be an additional concept of three days of Simcha. And the truth is we've seen that before, because when you're marrying the, the Amana or the Grusha for that matter, you get married on Thursday. And again, we saw a Chazal that we have Thursday, Friday, Shabbos together, even though only one day of Sheva Brachas, Halachalamaisa, three days of Simcha. Pretty incredible. Bose, let's go weiter. Let's go weiter. So, Gufa, Bose, let's go back. Let's go back and examine something interesting. So, Gufa, Amrav Nachman, Amrali Huna Bar Nasan. So, Bose, we said before, Huna Bar Nasan said, Minani Lebechas Chasan and Ba'asara. How do we know that Sheva Brachas, that Sheva Brachas ultimately requires a minion? Shene'emar Ve'ikach Asara Anoshim Iziknea'ir, Vayomer Shavu Po. So we'll say, we learn out the concept that Sheva Brachas requires a minion from Boaz, from Boaz marrying Rus. Rabbi Avo or Mehacha. Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo said ultimately again from here. The Bible says, it's beautiful. The Makhelos Baruchu Elohim, Hashem Imkar Yisrael. So we'll say, the Gemara quotes the Pasuk from Tehillim, which, which literally again, which literally means, the Makhelos Baruchu Elohim Hashem. In other words, in, in, the, in the Makhelos, the Kahal, the great assemblies, Bless Hashem, right? Bless Elohim, Hashem Mimkar Yisrael. Hashem is blessed, Mimkar. Now, we'll say, now what does this mean, Mimkar Yisrael? If you look at Rashi, Rashi says it's very beautiful. Second line from the top in Rashi, V'makilos baruch Elohim Hashem Mimkar Yisrael, al birchas mekar tzarech kal. For the bracha of the Mekar. Now, we'll say, we're going to see Mekar is another term for the womb. So what's the birchas Mekar? That's Sheva Brachas. A bracha over the, it's the bracha on the womb, so to speak. In other words, that what we hope for the chasen and kala more than anything is that they're able to have a mishpacha, they're able to have a family. So the birchas mekar. So ultimately, you know, so we're making the birchas mekar, we're making the bracha on the womb, the bracha of marriage, the bracha of period of arivya. How do you do that? The makelos, with a kahal, with 10 people. So Rashi says, look at the rest of that Rashi. When making the bracha on the makar on the womb, i.e. shever brachas, you need a minion. 
And I will say, that, what's a kal? Now, by the way, I didn't know what a kal is. A kal, a kehila, an assembly, is at least 10. Kimo hakel es ha'eda, vein hakel bepachos me'eda, ve'eda asara. So I'll say, we'll discuss this limon. Ultimately, the Pasuk says, hakel es ha'eda, gather the eda. Eda is 10. How do we know that? Where do we know that from? We know because Torah uses Lashon of Eida by the Meraglim. And remember again, Yoshu and Kalev were not part of the assembly of the Meraglim, which means Eida's 10. So Hakel Es Ha'eida, bring the, create a Kehila out of the Eida, means you need at least 10. And therefore, Bimakelos, when we're speaking about a Bracha on the Makar that requires a Kehila, that requires 10. Says the Gemara of Rav Nachman, Baha'i Krod Rabbi Avo, my Darish Bey. What does Rav Nachman do with the Pasuk of Rabbi Avo? So the Gemara says, Mibayle Lechidisanyo, Kinezia for the following. Listen to this. Lechidisanyo, Hayre Meir Abos is so beautiful. Minayin Shafilu Ubrim Shebemai Iman. So Abos says, remember again, I just want to point out what's happening over here. Rav Nachman learns out the concept that Sheva Brachas require a minion from Boaz. From Boaz. Okay, so what does he do with this Pasuk of Makelos Barcha Elokim Hashem Kari? So, what does he do with that Pasuk? To which the Gemara listen to this. He needs it for the following. Hi, Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir used to say as follows. Minayin Shafilu Ubrim Shebemai Iman Amru Shira Alayam. He'll say, this is so beautiful. How do we know that even babies in utero, right? Even babies in utero sang Shira, sang Az Yashir. By the Yamsuf, how do we know that? This is so beautiful. See, so quotes it from that Pasik. Ultimately, again, when Klaliso was assembled by the splitting of the Red Sea, everyone sang, including Mimkar Yisrael, those who were in the womb. So from here, ultimately, Rabbi Meir says, you see from here that this is so incredible. That by the Yamsuf, by the splitting of the Yamsuf, not only the people who were present sing Shira, but even the fetuses, even the babies in utero sang Shira as well. Now we'll say, the Gemara says, the Idach, if that's the case, Imkain Lemakram mi Beten, let it say mi Beten, my Mimkar, what does it mean Mimkar? Al Iske Makar. The Pasik is referring to matters of the womb. What does he mean, matters of the womb? That's a reference to marriage. Rabbi Avo, Baha'i Krad Rav Nachman, my Darish Bey. Ultimately, again, Rav Nachman, let's just finish the sugya. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Avo, Baha'i Krad Rav Nachman, my Darish Bey. Rabbi Avo, what do you do with the Pasuk of Rav Nachman by Boaz? Right? He doesn't need the Pasuk by Boaz. So what do you do with the Pasuk by Boaz? My Darish Bey. Ha'umibayle lemedrish amoni velo amonis, mo'avi velo mo'avis. Ah. Well, say when Boaz was gathering ten men together, he wasn't gathering them. Says, says Rabbi Avo, he wasn't gathering them for Shabbat Rachas. He was gathering them because he needed to make a very or reinforce, not make, but reinforce and remind everyone of a very important halachic ruling. What was the halachic ruling? That when the Torah says Lo Yavo Amoni Umo Avi Hashem, that an Ammonite and a Moabite may not come into the assembly of Hashem, may not join the Jewish people, that's referring to the male members of Ammon and Moab. It does not prohibit the females. Why did Boaz need to do this? Because Boaz was going to marry Rus, and he needed people to know that marrying Rus was absolutely unequivocally permitted. That's why he gathered the ten people to go ahead and teach them the ruling. Also, I want to be clear. Boaz wasn't introducing the ruling. The ruling was already on the books. It was already there. Boaz was reminding the general populace about the ruling. To which the Gemara says, Because ultimately, again, if it's just Sheva Brachas, if he's just gathering the ten guys to Sheva Brachas, why does the Pasuk in Megillah Rus say that he was gathering elders? The minion of Sheva Brachas could be anyone. The fact that he's gathering elders would seem to indicate to us that he's doing something of much greater importance. If he's reinforcing and reminding a halacha that is on the books, that it makes sense that he wants to gather the zikainim for that process. V'idach, other people will say, So I, so we'll say, so comes along Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman will say, but one second, if that's the case, Rabbi Avo, that all Boaz was doing was teaching a ruling, a halachic ruling, why did he need a minion? Why did he need a minion? Why did he need 10 men? So Rav Nachman would say, it must be that he was doing Shara Brachas. To which the Gemara says, V'idach. So in Lefarsume Milsa. No, the reason he got 10 together, I will say, is because he wanted to review the halacha 
and he wanted to publicize the halacha. He needed the halacha to become part of public record. So the best way to do that is how? Get a gathering of people together. As Shmuel said, So one time, Shmuel said, Quick, get, go out, gather together 10 men. I want to teach a very important halacha. What's the halacha? If one conveys ownership of property to an Uber, to a fetus, it's a proper, it's a proper conveyance. Suppose that the Gemara says, by the way, as an aside, the Hilcha saw, Hamazaka little Berlokana. No, no, it's actually, we don't pass in that. We pass in Alokha Lamaisa that if you try to convey something to a fetus, the conveyance is ineffective. You can't write the fetus is a Dabashal Balam, it's not yet in existence, and therefore Alokha Lamaisa, you can't convey any ownership of anything to it. So I will say, I'll just point out there something very interesting. So, so again, if we kind of bring this all together, here's what we have. Right? New marriage, first marriage for either of the parties, seven days of Shavar Brachas. Second marriage for both of the parties, one day of Shavar Brachas. It sounds like Halach Lamaisi, even in a case where there's one day of Shavar Brachas, there'll be three days of Simcha. We know that Halach Lamaisi, again, Shavar Brachas requires a minion. How do we know that? Machlokes, Rav Nachman brings down the Pasuk ultimately by Megillas Rus. Ultimately, Yenaviyavo brings down the Pasuk of Makelos, Baruch Elokim Hashem Imkar Yisrael. I will say, I'll just go back for just a moment and, and I'll mention something interesting. So remember again, so remember again, Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo went ahead and, I'm sorry, Rav Nachman, excuse me, on that Pasuk of Makelos, Baruch Elohim Hashem Imkari Yisrael, so Rav Nachman says that Pasuk is a reference to Yamsuf and teaches us that by Yamsuf, even the Uber, even the fetus inside of its mother sang Shira. So I say, wonder to yourself, what's, what's the point of that? I mean, it's, it's fascinating and it's riveting and it's absolutely amazing. But Lamaisa, like, what, what, what is the importance and what, or what is the lesson of the uber, of the fetus, saying shira from within its mother's womb? And I will say, perhaps, perhaps I was thinking about this idea. You know, Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman says that one of the reasons when we recite Shema, Shema Yisrael, we cover our eyes. And the Rebbe says something so beautiful, he explains because sometimes to really see things as they are, you have to close your eyes. See, the great challenge in life is often we see things and we think we see reality. But the truth is, when I see things in life, I see things through my lens. I see things through, through, through my vision. And the truth is, my vision is slanted, tainted, predisposed because of my own leanings, proclivities, predispositions, life experiences. So often, I don't really see things for what they are. I see things what I, the way I think I know what they are, but for myself I don't. The, pow the power of saying Shema Yisrael with your eyes closed is that sometimes the best way to see things is not to look with your eyes, but to look with your heart, to look with your soul, to really try to retreat within yourself and try to understand yourself, try to understand the world. And perhaps that's what's happening over here. Perhaps the Gemara is saying is that to a certain degree, the most beautiful Shira was sung by the babies inside of their mother's womb. Because the truth is, those babies didn't see anything with their eyes. They saw it with their soul. They saw it with their neshamas. They saw it with their heart. And Chazal is sensitizing us to that so often in life, we see something, oh, and like I size it up. I see a person, I've got your number. I've got you all sized up. I know exactly who you are, what you are, and I don't. Or I see situations and I, and, I, and I jump to conclusions or I think I see it a certain way. It's so important in life to sometimes be like the uber b'may imo, to sometimes be like the child in utero, to be a Shema Yisrael Jew, where I recognize that sometimes the best way to see something is not with your eyes, but to close your eyes and to try to see with your heart, to try to see with your neshama. Sometimes when you don't look with your eyes and you look with the heart, you look with the neshama, that's when you're able to see things. That's when you're able to see yourself for who and what you really are. Such an incredible yisod. The Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, Tanra Abanon, Tanra Abanon, Mevarchen Birchas Chasana Veis Chasana. Both say, so back to Sheva Brachas. We didn't leave Sheva, we're still in Sheva Brachas. So listen to this, Tanra Abanon, Mevarchen Birchas Chasana Veis Chasana. We make Sheva Brachas, in, in what we call the base chasanim. Rashi says over here, base chasanim, kishenichnesa l'chupas nisuin. Base chasanim is another name for the chupa. 
When do you make shower brachos? The first time you make shower brachos is when the couple goes into the chuppah. Incredible. Rabbi Huda Omer Afa Beisa Erisin. Rabbi Huda says, we even say shower brachos where? In Erisin. Interesting. So Rabbi Huda's model is even during Erisin, right? Ultimately, again, for Girashi Afa Beisa Erisin, Kishemekhan Kol Ultimately, again, when there's Kiddushin, as soon as there's Kiddushin, Erisin, we do shower brachos as well. Very interesting. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda Omer Af Beis Ha'eris in the Barchin. Rabbi Yehuda's statement that we make Shevar Brachas even during Erisin was Dafka said in the tribal area of Yehuda. We call the region of Yehuda in Eretz Yisrael. What was unique about the region of Yehuda in Eretz Yisrael? Ultimately, again, Meshem Mesachid, so we'll talk about this, that in Yehuda they had a very interesting practice which was that they would ensure that the chasen and kala were secluded with each other for, for a number of different times before their wedding so that they would be comfortable with one another. Well, we're going to see that sometimes the plan worked a bit too well and the chasen and kala became a bit too comfortable with each other. So we'll, 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 we'll get into that in Meretz Hashem. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, so in Yehuda, it's interesting, perhaps, they wanted the Chassan and Kala to spend time alone with each other in order that they would become familiar, connected with each other. It's a great idea. We're going to see, it's interesting, that in Yehuda, and again, we'll, we'll see this sugya, but in Yehuda, they were careful to have the Chassan and Kala alone with each other. And Lamaisa, again, after Arison, remember, after Arison, they're husband and wife already. And sometimes they would end up having relations or a physical relationship. So, say, so the problem just is, we're going to see she would go to the mikvah after Arison, and ultimately they would do, they would go out and they would do Sheva Brachas as well, because Sheva Brachas is a necessary piece to allow a chasan and kala to live together. So like I said, we're going to talk, this sugya deserves more attention, but just understand when Rabbi Huda says that we even do shara brachas during erasin, that's not the normative practice. This was perhaps something that was dafka done in the region of Yehuda. Tanya idach, another b'raisa. Mevarchen b'erchaz chasanim, beis chasanim. We go ahead and we make shara brachas. Beis chasanim, I will say beis chasanim means the chuppah. The chuppah. O b'erchaz erasin, beis erasin. Oh. There's a bracha of Erisin, and I make the bracha of Erisin ultimately during Erisin. Remember again, let's just get our stages done correctly over here, or uh, straightened out. Erisin, initial stage of marriage. Now again, the truth is, a man could affect Erisin in three different ways. Kesef, money, shtar, document, bia, relations. Let's just go with Kesef. Chasan gives the kala an item of value. She accepts it for the sake of Kiddushin. They now are married in a state Kiddushin, what we call Erisin. There was a bracha on Erisin. Bracha on Erisin. So make Sheva brachas by the Chuppah. That's Nisuin. And a bracha of Erisin by Erisin. To which the Gemara says, Berechas Erisin, Beisar Erisin. Berechas Erisin, my Mavarech. What is the bracha over Erisin? So Rav Ada, Barav Barav Ada, Tarvai, Mushayn, Rav Yehuda, Amri, Baruch Ata Hashem, Okina Melech Olam, Asher, Baruch Ata Hashem, Okina Melech Olam, Asher, Kiddusham, Sosavit, Yivano, Al Ha'arayos. Hashem, you've commanded us, you've commanded us to avoid the arayos, to avoid immorality. You prohibited to us to live with a woman who is just an arusa, not nisuin. And you permitted for us to live with an arusa after there is chupa and kiddushin. So I'm saying, that is the bracha of Erisin. So the Gemara says, so, the, the, both, so again, this is the bracha of Erisin. Good. Rav Acha Breid Rava Messiah Bamshed Rav Yehuda. And I will say Rav Acha Breid Rav Yehuda said the name of Rav Yehuda that there is a concluding bracha to that Brechas Erisin. Barucha to Hashem, Mekadesh Yisrael, Al Yedei Chupa Vikidushin. He added on an, a concluding bracha. So, say, so here's what's interesting. Everyone is agreeing with the Iker text, the primary text of the bracha of Erisin, which essentially is a bracha that says, Hashem, you've commanded us to avoid immorality. Okay, right? You commanded us regarding Arayos. You prohibited us to live with, with an Arusa. Permitted to us an Asua once there is Chuppah and Kiddushin. 
That's according to the first week, and that's the bracha. Rav Yehuda adds on, now there's a concluding bracha, Baruch HaTo Hashem Mekadish Yisrael Aydei Chupa V'Kiddushin. Hashem, you are the source of all blessing, who sanctifies the Jewish people through Chupa and Kiddushin. So what's the Machlokas? Man Dolochasem Mididav HaBerchas Peras HaBerchas Mitzvahs. Shabbos said the opinion, i.e. the first one, here Rav Ada, Rav Ada, in the name of Rav Yehuda, holds that the bracha over Eresin is like any other birchas ha-mitzvah. He says it's like a bra- any other bracha you make on a mitzvah, or for that matter, bracha you make on fruit, right? Where there's a bracha, bracha tashon rest of the bracha, and there's no concluding bracha phrase. Now, why is there no concluding bracha phrase? Look at Rashi. Rashi says, birchas peros, by praise, birchas mitzvos, ala shechita, ala mila, dekevam dechukula chadahodahi, Bakasha Sayim. I will say this is actually very interesting. There are two different types of brachos. There's what's called a bracha kitsara and a bracha arichta. A bracha kitsara is like a short bracha. Bracha tashan kinamalacholam, subject of bracha, done. A longer bracha is bracha tashan kinamalacholam, subject of bracha, concluding bracha, which summarizes the theme of the bracha. Generally, the only time you have that second model of bracha, the elongated bracha form, is when in the bracha itself, there's an interruption, or there's more than one topic. Let's say there's a topic, and then ultimately there's a request. So where there's an interruption, so to speak, from the primary theme, that's when we go back and summarize the bracha in a concluding bracha. So the first opinion says, this bracha maintains one coherent theme throughout. So therefore, there's no need for a concluding bracha. The second opinion, man, so the Gemara says, so man dehasim midi dehavi akidusha. The one who says that no, you have to end off with the concluding bracha. Baruch Hashem nekadish Yisrael ayedei chupa v'kiddushin. Why do you have to add that in? He says because this bracha is like kiddush. Now what does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. Midi dehavi akidusha kevan debalashon kiddushehi ki kiddushehayom chasminan ba. So what is interesting? that essentially, since this bracha has a lashon of Kiddusha, sanctified, therefore again, we model this bracha after the bracha of Kiddush. We know that Kiddush ultimately again has a bracha, let's say Friday night again, it's Bray Priyagafen, and then you have the Yom HaShishi, Bray Priyagafen, and then you have a bracha of Mekadesh HaShabbos, right? And again, remember, you start off with Baruch, and you end with Baruch. So Rashi says over here, Ki hasam debahi chasmin v'shom diyesh bahafseh gom ki hu yom tchilu mikrai kodesh. Here we'll say, this is actually interesting. In Kiddush, you have a couple of different themes in the bracha of Kiddush. So because of that, because of that, you start the bracha of Kiddush, bracha to Hashem, okinam alech olam, right? And then you conclude baracha to Hashem. So the Gemara is suggesting that according to the second opinion, even though in this particular bracha it's one theme, but because the bracha references Kiddusha, Therefore, it's modeled after Kiddush and therefore has the concluding bracha. Beautiful, Abbasi, how do we paskin? We paskin like the second approach. So if you look at the bracha that we make over Eresin, Abbasi, remember again, today we do everything together under the chuppah, right? We do Eresin and Nisun all together under the chuppah. But remember again, when the chasin and kala are first standing under the chuppah, that first glass of wine is where we make the bracha on Eresin. And the bracha we make, Rabosa, is the second version. It's the long bracha. Baruch atah shamal kinam alech olam. Asher kiddushamu sasav v'tzivano ala harayos v'asalana sa'arusos v'hitir lano asanusos nono ayedeich upavi kiddushin. Baruch atah shem mekadesh Yisrael ayedeich upavi kiddushin. Again, different versions of the bracha. But Lamai said, that's the bracha. That's the bracha. Remember again, when chasen and kala drink. And then right after that is when the chasen gives the kala of the ring. That affects kiddushin. Remember, just to walk you through it, then what do we do? Then we read the Ksuva. The reading of the Ksuva is just there to break up between Erisin and Nisuin, Kiddushin and Nisuin. And then ultimately, we get into Nisuin. What's going to be Nisuin? So Nisuin is going to be Chopa itself, Sheva Brachas, and ultimately Yichud, but we'll see that later on. We will stop over here for today. Tremendous Yashikach. I look forward. I'm, I'm sorry that I can't be there with you in person. In person. I miss all of you. But it's a, it's a great school at least to be able to learn virtually together. And I look forward to seeing everyone tomorrow. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And Shikayach another incredible daf. Kol Tov.